Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is about the whole empty nest thing, but with a bit of a different take on things. Let me explain. As you know, this podcast is all about what it's like to be in the middle, in the middle of aging, menopause, long-term career, aging parents, and empty nest. Common midlife-related topics, I think you would agree. And we love talking about our almost empty nests and our empty nests, right? What it's like waiting for college acceptances. What it's like to the lead up when the kids are moving out. What it's like when they actually leave. How to negotiate relationships when they come and go. What it's like when they come back. Today, however, I thought it would be fun to shake things up a bit and tackle some of these issues from a different perspective. Instead of looking at the whole empty nest thing, From the outside in, we're going to take a look from the inside out. Today, we're going in, deep inside the mind of someone who knows what it's like to be 21, someone who left the nest, someone who lives away at university, someone who's on the brink of making a big transition himself as he heads into fourth year. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to one of my own, my middle son, Alex, who is going to give us an inside look into what it's like to be a kid who left the nest. Alex, thank you so much for joining me in the Cedar Closet today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Mommy. (laughs) Woo! How much fun are we having when my kid is home? Oh, my God. Okay, Alex, first, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life right now, where you go to school, and what you're studying, you know, what your program looks like. What is going on in your world? Um, I'm in a program called Knowledge Integration at the University of Waterloo. It's an interdisciplinary program that focuses on collaboration and design and communication, a lot of group work and team skills. Um, I've recently developed an interest in psychology and I'm going to double major and I'm excited to see where this new interest will lead me. And I would just add that University of Waterloo is about an hour and a half or so from our home. So, you know, it's not too hard to go back and forth, but it's enough of a pain that we probably see each other, I guess, every four to six weeks or so. I would say that's about right, right? Right. (laughs) Okay, so you lived in res. uh, Now, we call it that. uh, You lived in a dorm. I know for our American women in the middle out there, I think they use the word dorm more than res, but you lived in res the first year, and then you had to decide where to live second year. What did you decide to do? Now, of course, I know what you decided to do. But what did you decide to do? And if you could just tell us a little bit about what that decision was like and how you made it. I wanted to live with friends that I wasn't too friendly with because you didn't. I don't want to ruin friendships. I wanted to really just live with people who I know would be good roommates. So it was interesting to make that distinction. I wanted to have space that was my own because this would be the first time in my life where I didn't have a roommate or parents in the house So space to call my own, and I wanted to have a decent kitchen and a walking distance from campus. 
Walking distance from campus is critical, especially when it's so freaking cold. Yeah, it's pretty nippy out there. <laughs> Waterloo also was known for this weird problem with the geese. Uh, you had a little incident with a goose recently, didn't you? Yeah, the geese thought that he could scare me, but he could not. <laughs> he, ch- he chased you, though, right? Yes, but I <laughs> ran faster. It's the craziest thing. Like at this, uh, When you go to the bookstore, there's all these T-shirts and sweatshirts and mugs about the geese. Like, these geese are nuts. They're pretty crazy. <laughs> okay, so you decided to, um, you guys rented a townhouse, right? Yeah, it's like a townhouse. Three up in the top and me, I have the whole basement. It was funny, when he decided on this townhouse, I was having a real issue with it because he uh, selected this room in the basement. And um, he thought it was amazing because it was large. And all I, I was completely hung up on the fact that uh, the other people in the townhouse had to go through the room to get to the laundry. I didn't think it was so bad because if I trusted these guys enough to live with them, I would trust them enough to go through my room to do their laundry and not steal my stuff. And everything's fine. Everything's fine, even though I was totally freaking about not being able to, you know, uh, have complete privacy, which is an issue for adults. But, you know. It's different um, with students. It's weird. There's Living with roommates is a very interesting and unique intermediary stage in your life. You're not with your family and you're not with your wife. So you're just with weird friends who are moving in and out because of co-op. Um, sometimes you know them, sometimes you don't. Sometimes they speak English, sometimes they don't. Uh, and, and embrace the really unique three to four years of your life that university is. Yeah, that's a good point. Co-op is a big um, cultural part of the university that you go to. So there really are people coming and going all the time. Yep, I have roommates coming in all the time. So I know last summer something happened that was really fun. Um, you had a little visitor outside your your sliding glass door if I remember correctly. Yes, Gertrude the duck. (laughs) She was a mallard, and she had 10 ducklings, or eggs, eggs, and then it was very fun to watch. I gave her oats, and uh, she would eat them, and she would protect her her brood, and then, uh, yeah. It was fun. It made me feel good that it was like a cozy little homey thing that was going on, even though you were away at school. Yeah, it felt like camp. That's one thing I wanted to ask you about. Now, you you and your brothers have been away at camp for, I guess it's been about 10 years. So you did have that transition period where you were always away. Well, not always, but away enough for a long period of time for two months. Um, what, how was that the same and different from finally going away to university? Um, it was it taught you a lot of skills about just like responsibility at camp every day. You had to clean up something. Um, There was like a chore wheel and every day you'd have to do it. But at home, I never really had to do it so much. Um, But here you really had to, or at camp, you had to learn how to make your bed. You had to wash the bathroom floor. You had to do all this stuff. And then um, during the school year, it wasn't so applicable. But when you move away to university and it's like you're the only one responsible for your space, it's kind of a wake-up call. It throws you back to those cleanup periods at camp and you say, oh, well, these are there's actually 18 things that have to get done if you want to have a like clean space that you want to spend your time in, um, especially if that is a shared space. There's a shared responsibility for it. However, your roommates don't always go to camp and they don't understand that this rule of a shared space, shared responsibility is necessary to be enforced or it's required that it's enforced so that everyone has a, a, a clean space to live in. So that can be frustrating when some people pull their weight and some people don't. 
and you don't have a clean space to cook your food in. So it was frustrating, but it's a big learning experience for yourself and hopefully for your roommates that ultimately, eventually, when you get your own space, you can treat it how you want it to be treated. And um, if you want it to be clean, you know it's completely up to you and no one's going to do it for you. Yeah, I was just cringing as you um, were (laughs) remembering that you guys didn't have a ton of house chores. Most of the chores that you had around here were outside stuff. And uh, yeah, you were pretty lucky that you didn't have to do your own laundry until you left and you didn't have to clean the bathroom. And um, I always was worried about that because I was worried that, you know, you would feel privileged and wouldn't know how to do that stuff. So it does warm my heart that you are a guy, that you're noticing cleanliness, that you're appreciating cleanliness. And it's something that is frustrating when you, um, you know, don't have a nice space to live in. Well, yeah, I didn't have the realization until I went to university. So it was definitely like a stark contrast. And I noticed it and I learned it for myself. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. My son appreciates cleanliness, making me very happy. So one of the things that, um, I, you know, I always hope for, and I know a lot of other women in the middle hope that I know you guys are happy, like Alex is one of three boys. I know you guys are happy to get away and to have some independence. But, um, you know, as parents, we're still paying for quite a lot. So we're very well aware that you guys have independence in quotes. So you feel independent, but you really don't have that that financial responsibility yet. How does that play out the way you think about independence? It's very fun to be able to do what you want when you want for the first time in your life. You set your own bedtime, and if you have a class in the morning and you're tired, that sucks. You're tired. And then you quickly learn for yourself what a reasonable bedtime is. And you quickly learn for yourself what things you want to do in your spare time when your parents aren't enrolling you in swimming and gymnastics and whatever. You start to figure out, you start thinking about things that interest you, not because it's related to school, but because like you have all this time to kill and you're going to do what interests you naturally. So I find that you really will fall into the things that you're interested in when you have the time to do it. Um, so I find that this independence allows me to just be interested in what I want to be interested in naturally and not have anything forced on me. And with time, I will find what interests me on its own. That's pretty cool. So you did study gymnastics since you were three, and then you kind of fell into cheerleading uh, when you got to school. Yeah, cheerleading is really cool. It's definitely an applied version of gymnastics, and it's nice that it's collaborative and cooperative and it's something social and physical and it's not related to school but it's with your school friends a lot of good things about cheerleading and what about music because um, you're a drummer and it's funny one of the things I was kind of looking forward to when you finally left was that there wouldn't be a lot of um, drumming (laughs) because any other moms out there know that as much as we love that you love music having a drummer in the house uh, oh man moms who have drummers as sons deserve major gold stars. And so I, uh, it, it's like a knife going through your head sometimes. It's just so loud. We're like in the Brady Bunch house. I've described it uh, to you listeners a few times. And there aren't walls, nothing soundproof. The, the stairs have, you know, those see-through stairs. And the noise just travels. And although you are an amazing drummer, I know you take it quite seriously. And you're a serious musician. Um, when you left, it was very quiet. And I have to admit, I missed it. What? 
I did. I know. I knew that you'd be surprised by that. Yeah, I really did. Because when you're drumming, like I do have to adjust what I'm doing when you are drumming. But I just I just know you're so happy. So how did you accommodate your music uh, when you're away? Uh, I purchased an electronic drum set and this acoustic wooden box called a cajon, which is not a drum set, it's a box. But if you can hit it in the right spaces, it has high notes and low notes, and you can get kind of like a drum set feel. Um, And the electronic drum set has the sounds of a drum set, but not the feel of a drum set. So I get to do whichever I want with whatever crowd I'm playing with, and that's what I do. I don't play with the school band because they're really bad, Um, (laughs) but I do play with my friends who are really good. So it's fun to go just jam with them and play and just have an artistic outlet very important. So you've covered off artistic outlet and physical outlet with cheerleading and drums. Yeah, it's a nice balance. That's great. That's the kind of thing that makes us moms really happy. Yes. (laughs) So something I've mentioned on the podcast a few times is um, I've noticed a similarity. This is kind of, it might seem kind of strange, but I've noticed a similarity between women in the middle and kids your age. The main thing is that for many of us, women in the middle, like midlife gals, the last time we really thought about what we wanted in life, what direction we wanted to go, we were your age. So you're 21. So that was the last time I really thought about this sort of thing in my early 20s. What's it like for you now that you've started to think about what you want to do and where you want to go? It's very intimidating and it's pretty scary. Um, You think about for me, it's hard to think about where I want to be in 20, 30 years because I have no idea what that's going to be like. I don't really know what certain amount of incomes mean. I don't really know like what type of family I want. I guess it's hard for me to imagine what um, um, someone who has kids is like. I, it's hard to think about what my mom is thinking about because she has all of this insight and and perspective, whereas I am looking forwards. So it's hard to think about what I want my family to be like um, and and what type of job and future that would require. Um, so it's intimidating to think about what I want to do, but what's very exciting is to think about what I want to do, right? What do I want to do that will inspire me every single day to get up and do a good job and go to bed and be fulfilled? So it's interesting whatever perspective you want to take on it, but... When you frame it the second way, it's a much more positive and exhilarating um, opportunity. Whereas if you frame it the first way, then it's daunting and intimidating and something you don't really want to think about. And oh, embrace. yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So mindset is something we talk about all the time. And you're absolutely right. The way you think about it, it's your thoughts. And those thoughts create your feelings. And it's much more fun to think in a way that creates this feeling of excitement about opportunities rather than dread about uncertainty. That's You put that very well. Why, thank you. I've been working on it. <laughs> so um, I, I feel what you're saying, though, about um, being overwhelmed. And what I've been watching with you is you said you did recently discover psychology, which also warms my heart because I'm really interested in psychology. And, and it really got me excited when I was your age, too. And what I say to um, my clients is also what I say to you, that right now I think it's really important to take a baby step and just to focus on identifying 
things that create this feeling in you that make you want to move toward rather than resist. So if you're a little bit intrigued by something you're discovering in psychology or by a professor who, I don't know, you find bright and intriguing, then move toward that. Ask more questions. Take a baby step. You don't have to have it all worked out because the one thing that we know for sure at our age is that you can't. It's impossible. Every time you make a decision or take one baby step forward, you're going to meet new people. You're going to have new opportunities. The way you think about life is going to change. So it's impossible to anticipate that many steps down the road, but you can definitely be more mindful and intentional about the next step. Does that make any sense? That makes a lot of sense. And that's a really insightful way to put it. And it's a very digestible piece of information. Just take it one step at a time. And it sounds cheesy, but it's really the only way that you can make any decisions because life's going to throw you curveballs and you have to just take them in stride. Did you just say that I gave you good advice? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I heard it. I don't know. Maybe some of you guys out there can send me an email to confirm what I just heard. Um, Okay, so I think uh, we would all agree that transition can be difficult. And what we experience at our age Um, these milestone birthdays, turning 50, the whole thing, like transitions can definitely be difficult. And it's really hard to go forward when you really don't know what you want with no guarantees. (laughs) So that's what you just confirmed. I totally hear you. Now, like so many kids your age, like I said, you're on your own, but you're really not on your own because we do still support you. But you really are on your own in many ways. So you are making daily decisions. And what would you say the thing is that you love the most about being on your own? I like making a routine. I have the most flexibility with my routine that I've ever had in my life. Um, I like to wake up, make breakfast, make a coffee, go to the gym, go to the library, go to class, and then see my friends. So like, it's really fun to prioritize what's important um, and then end with something nice, something social at the end. So I've never had that much flexibility in my life because I've had high school, which was so, like, structured. It was like, what, nine to, not nine to five, but you know what I mean. Um, whereas these classes are, there's more space between them. You can pick a schedule that accommodates your lifestyle, the lifestyle that you want to live. And I think that um, is interesting because when you get to pick your course schedule, um, it's kind of like picking your job hours. You get to plan your life around it and you get to do certain things that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do before. So if you choose to work nights in real life, then that's a very different lifestyle than someone who's working nine to five. So when you get to pick your courses, it's interesting that you get to try out these different lifestyles because some work really well for some people and some work really well for other people. I do not understand how someone could stay up all night and do homework, but some people really thrive like that. So it's interesting to not be boxed in like that and have the opportunity to study and express yourself how you want to. Oh, that's a really good point. I remember when I first went to the University of Guelph, I had a job as an an RA, a Don, and I had to do these rounds at two in the morning, and I was never up at two in the morning. I remember thinking, what is going on around here? So many people are up. I was just shocked at what was going on in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) So I'm asleep. Yeah, <laughs> you're such a good boy. So tell me, uh, please, what is it that you actually miss about being home? Um, I miss the cooking and I miss the cleanliness in other spaces that are not my own. 
<laughs> I hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the one really specific thing is the actual standard of cleanliness in the kitchen specifically. Um, the kitchen is like the most used space in every house and is often the most dirty and most chaotic. Um, so to have someone who really cracks the whip on the cleanliness in the kitchen is really nice. And at, at, at school, there isn't that person. And it makes a big difference because that's a space you want to enjoy being in because it's where all these lovely foods come from. And it's where you want to socialize with your friends. Um, and when it's gross, you don't want to be there. So that's one big thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, now, what do you think's going on at home uh, when you guys aren't here? <laughs> what do you imagine our life to be like? Very quiet. I think it's quiet. But honestly, um, don't take this the wrong way, but I don't think about it that much. <laughs> because I'm thinking about so much other stuff. I'm thinking about all my classes. I'm thinking about grad school. I'm thinking about my friends. For the first time, I'm not having people talking to me all the time. And I get to decide when I want to be alone and when I want to be social and when I want to do whatever I want. So I'm thinking about all that stuff. I'm not always thinking about, you know, what's going on at home. Fair enough, fair enough. When, um, when our first kid went to school, I realized, gee, I don't know what the heck is going on in his life. And I realized that one thing I hadn't done is to share expectations about communication. So what we try to do in our family is at least one call a week. Uh, we try to make it a video call. We're not extremely consistent, but as parents, I don't think that's too much. What do you think? There's we only just, there's only one right answer. We think it's not enough. <laughs> we want more. We want everyday video calls. Oh, what a boy. So parents, if you're not calling your kids every day, please make sure to video call them every day, especially when they're in class or in the library. They love that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, listen, sometimes texting is just a pain in the butt and it's just easier to call. So I don't so you're in the library every once in a while when you get a call. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's a, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> All right. All right. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. It was funny. The first time we went on a vacation um, without the kids, it was quiet. Like, forget about day-to-day -day life being quiet. The first vacation, we were so used to how entertaining you guys are, because you guys are particularly funny, and the three of you are close in age. And we were just, like, staring at each other. It was quiet. And I realized, oh, my God, I have to be as entertaining as I used to be, like, when I was single. <laughs> So I had to, I'm like, I better hold my husband's hand. I better, like, talk more or something. <laughs> I had to pick up the slack. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> we love visiting you guys, and we really do miss you. But we are doing our best to manage our expectations, the once-a-week uh, check-in. And uh, we probably get to campus once a semester. Um, I don't know. I think that's really reasonable. Do you agree, please? I agree. I think it's it's nice when you guys come and see our life because we have things to update you with and you have things to update us with. And I think it's it's a nice balance. It's a nice transition. Well, that's good. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I really want you to give some advice to parents learning to cope with their emptiness because some people are not coping as well as we are. Um, we're pretty, we have a lot of interests. We're pretty busy, but I definitely talk to a lot of women who are having a harder time adjusting. Uh, what advice would you give from your perspective, um, knowing that we love you like crazy and, you know, we're doing the best we can to balance, uh, balance it all and, and support you the best we can? Um, okay. I'm going to assume that most 
kids are very excited to leave home, not because they don't love all the support they get from their parents, but because independence is amazing. Um, so if you parents can ensure that your kids are transitioning well into this pseudo independence, um, that's pretty much the most I can say to help you cope. Um, these kids are really excited and loving it. And if you can live vicariously through your kids' excitement, um, that's one excellent way to cope, I hope. Um, and not to stifle them too much, right? These kids are really excited to breathe and enjoy and just express themselves in, in unique and creative ways. Um, so if you can facilitate that excitement and as much as possible, I think that would be the best way to ensure your kids are having the most enjoyable time that you're providing them or helping them pr uh, provide them um, and hopefully give you the best experience as well. Yeah, that's good advice. One thing we've tried to do is um, negotiate. We really did have a very candid talk about it that we wanted to make sure that we had Christmas vacations together because, you know, with kids this age, it's really the only time that's pretty much guaranteed that we can be together. In the summer, there's job responsibilities and last-minute decisions to go back to school or not and to travel for a cool job and all kinds of things. But it is pretty reliable to plan a Christmas vacation over that one week. Um, what's your take on that? We, we really value it. I think it's totally reasonable. Your friends are still going to be there when you get back. Um, no, like, that's it. Like, it's totally enough reasonable to ask. Fantastic. So, Alex, thank you so much. Um, it's been really, really good to have your insights and your take on the whole empty nest thing. And we have our dog barking in the background. I hope it's not too distracting. Um, but this whole empty nest topic from the inside out, from your perspective, is really interesting. As women in the middle, we thank you for your patience with us collectively. As you know, we're your biggest fans. I'm your biggest fan. And you know, we love you little chickadees like nothing else. We just do. We can't help it. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. If you like what you've heard, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and Spotify and leave me a review. This is such a great way to help other women in the middle know there's such good stuff going on in this podcast. Also, check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. Let's do this, ladies, one empty nest at a time. We are in this together. Thanks so much for listening. Okay.